In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation, and as always, it's great to be with all of you. And we always like to start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the Mother of God. Mary is the Mother of the Church. And Mary is the Mother of each and every one of us. Also, as we pray the Hail Holy Queen, beautiful prayer at the end of the Most Holy Rosary, we also invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's invite Mary to be with us this day. Let's ask Mary to pray with us and to encourage us by her presence. <clears throat> As we say that beautiful prayer that she loves so much. Together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and bless the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now I'd like to invite to be with us our spiritual director. Our spiritual director is the <coughs> Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has many wonderful titles, as does Mary. Holy Spirit is known as the Paraclete. Holy Spirit is also known as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the sweet guest of our souls. Holy Spirit is also known as also known as our consoler as well as our counselor. Holy Spirit is also known as our interior master. St. <coughs> Paul reminds us in these words. Paul says that we really don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans. So that we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to be with us. To give us light in our intellect. 
and the fire of divine love to set our hearts on fire with love of God and love of neighbor. As we pray, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And they shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O Lady Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, true, my friends, the family that prays together stays together, and a world at prayer is a world at peace. To encourage all of you, I will be praying for all of you in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, which I'll be celebrating this evening. I'd like to place all of you on the altar with the following intentions. First, I'd like to pray that all of us in our Perseverance family would make a concerted effort today to be open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. Open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And this could be our prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. My next intention 
I'd like to pray in a special way for our families. For the conversion of our family members, for the sanctification of our family members, as well as for the salvation of our family members. Calling to mind the words of our Lord, who said, What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and loses his soul? What can we exchange for the salvation of our souls. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world if he loses his soul? And that brings me to the next intention. I would like to pray for those who will be dying today. Jesus says that death will come like a thief in the night. And we have to be prepared. We know neither the day nor the hour. We have to be prepared. Let's pray that those who who are dying will be open to God's grace and beg for his infinite mercy. So my friends... Before we're entering into our conversation today, we've got St. Paul's letter to Timothy and a short passage of St. Luke. Chapter 8, we see the holy women following Jesus and supporting him and the apostles by their resources. And the responsorial psalm we have, Blessed the poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is theirs, which is, of course, the first of the eight Beatitudes. And by the way, I invite all of you next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'll be giving a three-day retreat on the Sermon on the Mount. All of you are invited. So that will be September 26, 27, 28, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'll be going through the Sermon on the Mount, the three chapters in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. I've already written a pretty good blog article on the whole topic that you'll receive in the course. So I invite you to come, and you can invite others to come to our course on the Sermon on the Mount which is the very heart of the teaching of Christ. But I like to do often, before entering into the bread of the Word of God, Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Is I'd like to just give a short, Catechetical, catechetical explanation of 
of a of a godfather or godmother because there's a lot of confusion out there today. I was listening to a radio and there is a um, a man that was asked to become a, a Catholic man was asked to be a godfather godfather in a an Episcopalian or a Protestant church. What do you think about that? And the best response would be not not to do that because you as a Catholic, if you're becoming the godparent of a child that's going to be Episcopalian, that means you would have to support and the raising of this child as an, an Episcopalian, which is a Protestant, and that's uh, it's uh, against reason, it's against common sense. So given that there's so much confusion out there, I'd just like to go through what are the basic conditions of a godfather and godmother, then we'll enter into the, the wonderful readings for today. According to canon law, which is the teaching of the church, is the godfather to be a godparent in the Catholic Church has to be baptized, first communion, Confirmation. These are called the sacraments of initiation. 16 years of age. And then, the godmother or godfather cannot be living in free union. They would have to be single or be married in the church. The godfather or godmother also <coughs> are called to a very important role in the life of the child. But especially to pray for your God-child as well as to give good example. For that reason, say for example, you ask your brother John to be the godfather, but he's living with his girlfriend. So he can't go to confession, he can't go to communion. So that's uh, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. So I thought I would just go through that brief catechetical explanation because over the years I've given many baptismal talks and sometimes the parents will actually bring in a Protestant to be the godfather of the child or a woman that's living with her boyfriend to be the godmother. So, these would be conditions to, that would um, exclude the possibility of being a godmother or godfather. So, I repeat that the, the two primary obligations would be to pray for the godchild and to give good example.
And perhaps some of you are actually godparents. Be a good idea even to offer a mass for your godson or goddaughter every year, at least once a year. So, let's move into the riches of the Word of God. Yesterday we celebrated the feast day of St. Matthew. And every time, my friends, we celebrate the feast day of a saint, we should beg the Lord through the saint to receive many graces. And the grace is the virtue that that saint practiced. There's so much to be said about St. Matthew, and I really like his ready response to follow Jesus when Jesus said, follow me. Matthew, right away, he followed Christ. He put no pretexts. In my Mass yesterday in Spanish, I mention other biblical figures that Jesus called and they did not respond like Matthew. For example, the rich young man, Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell all you have, you'll have riches in heaven and follow me. And the rich young man went away sad because he had many possessions. So he placed his material possessions over and above our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the treasure of his friendship. Then he also mentioned when Jesus is heading toward Jerusalem, especially you see this in the Gospel of St. Luke, Jesus invites others to follow him. He says to one man, follow me, and the man says, yes, Lord, but wait, I first have to tend to my animals and to my field that I just bought. So this man said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but under this condition. Then the Lord said to another man, follow me. And he said, well, Lord, I just got married. Let me tend to my wife, and then I'll come back and follow you. Then there was another one, our Lord said, come and follow me. This man said, well, my father just died. Let me bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. So all of these, these four cases, were individuals that were called by Christ to follow him, but they all put a pretext. They all put a condition. They all said, yes, but under my condition, I'll follow you a little bit later. Whereas St. Matthew, Jesus says, follow me, and Matthew gets up, he leaves everything to follow Christ. And he proves his love for Christ by offering him a banquet that night inviting but a motley group of individuals. The Pharisees, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners. So Jesus was invited to the house of Matthew. And we want to invite Jesus to be with us today. So that's kind of a summary of the celebration of St. Matthew and I think, my friends, we should pray for the grace. We should pray and beg for the grace. Pray and beg for the grace to have a greater love, a greater love for the Word of God. 
that we should have the Word of God in our hands every day. And we should meditate upon the Word of God. When I present to you the Word of God, I try to give you the Word of God often in my own words, summarized in the text, and I give you the interpretation and then the application. So today, St. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, chapter 6, verse 2 to 12, offers us a lot of wisdom, a lot of insight. So the first thing that Paul says is, Beloved, teach. Teach and urge these things. Teach. Pray for priests, because we are called, my friends, to pray and to preach and to teach. For one to become a good teacher, he has to first become a good disciple. I repeat, if for us to be a good teacher, we have to be a good disciple. That's why next week we're going to be sitting at the feet, all of us, myself included, we're called to sit at the feet of Jesus the teacher and listen to his words of wisdom. And that's the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. So first we have to be good disciples of Jesus Christ. And then we can be good good teachers. And of course, none of us can give what we don't have. None of us can give what we don't have. And Jesus says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. None of us, absolutely none of us can give what we don't have. That's why we had Matthew yesterday. We We want to just immerse us ourselves more and more in the riches of the Word of God. Then St. Paul says, whoever teaches something different and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the religious teaching is conceited, understanding nothing, and has a morbid disposition for arguments and verbal disputes. So what Paul is saying is, if we teach, then we have to not express our own opinions, our own speculations, our own ideas. We have to teach the Word of God, but also to teach what is transmitted by the mystical body of Christ, which is the church. 
So after becoming more and more absorbed in the riches of the Word of God, <coughs> another prime source for learning the truth that we can transmit to others is getting to know better and better the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I have been following almost every day the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is being explained by Father Mike Schmitz. And just that you're aware of it, and perhaps uh, Sophie will be able to give a summary of it, the Catechism of the Catholic Church was probably the greatest literary work of Pope John Paul II, which came out in the early 90s. We in the Church of St. Peter Schnell spent a whole year making copies and explaining the Catechism of the Catholic Church every day after the Catechism was published. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the CCC, can be divided into three base, four basic parts. So if we want to know the truth, we want to be good disciples of Christ and the Church. Getting to know the Catechism of the Catholic Church is one of the best tools we have. So it's divided into four pillars. And I'll just briefly mention them and then we'll, we'll, re, we'll revisit the Word of God for us today. The first would be the dogmatic part. First pillar would be the dogmatic part. And that's what that would be is the creed. The Catechism explains the creed that we pray at Mass every Sunday. Who was God the Father? Who was God the Son? Who was God the Holy Spirit? Who was the Trinity? All those essential truths that we should know. The second pillar would be the seven sacraments. The sacraments of initiation, which are explained, baptism, confirmation, communion. The sacraments of service, holy matrimony, And holy orders. Holy matrimony, which would be at the service of the family. Holy orders at the service of the church. And then the sacraments of healing. There would be confession and the anointing of the sick. So that would be the second part. So the first part would be the dogmatic part of the creed. The second part would be the sacraments. 
And the third, what Father Mike Schmitz is going through now, over the past few days, he's been explaining the whole idea of grace, of sanctifying grace and actual graces and what is called prevenient grace. And yesterday he went through the whole idea of merit. And today he's going to be going through the whole idea of our call to holiness. That's the third part of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So Sophie, dogmatic part. The second would be the sacramental part. And the third pillar, Sophie, would be that of, of human morality, especially the Ten Commandments. And the fourth part, which is the shortest, and it is really a spiritual masterpiece, is the part on prayer. And any of us who really, honestly want to grow in our prayer life, and I think all of us in our Perseverance family want to grow in our prayer life, I'm sure we all want to do that. The last part, The last part is a spiritual masterpiece on prayer. So Sophie has put the four parts of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The dogmatic part, which would be the creed. The second pillar, which would be the sacraments. The third part, which would be human morality and the Ten Commandments. And then the last would be that of that of prayer. So what I'm doing, I'm trying to go through when St. Paul says that we're called to be teachers, but not to teach error, but to teach the truth. And our teaching, my friends, has to be based on Authentic teaching has to be based on the Word of God. Thanks be to God for St. Matthew, who we met yesterday. And the authentic magisterial teaching of the Catholic Church and one of the greatest resources in the history of the Church would be the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which was published in the early 90s under the aegis of Pope St. John Paul II. Of course, we as priests were called to pray and to preach. But also you as parents, mothers and fathers, you are called to be teachers. You are called to be teachers to your children by word and also by example. very end of the letter of St. Paul to Timothy, I'm jumping down to the end. St. Paul outlines certain virtues
These certain virtues that St. Paul suggests to St. Timothy, we can try to practice. He says, But you men of God, all of us, my friends, we're all called to be men and women of God. That's true. We're all called to be men and women of God. Let's pray that we would live up to that word of God. That we would truly be men and women of God. And he says, he gives a list of, of virtues that that we should try to practice. And he, Paul mentions the real danger, my friends, of materialism, of having and pursuing money and pursuing pleasure. In a word, St. Paul has mentioned the real danger of allowing our possessions to possess us. He says he should pursue righteousness. That means we should be honest. Devotion. Devotion means we should dedicate ourselves to a life of prayer. Then he says faith. And faith is also related to what we're talking about. Faith is one of the three theological virtues related more to the intellect. How can we love our our faith if we don't know what it is? How can we love our faith if we don't know what it is? So that's why it's important for us to study and what Sophie and Carmen are doing, giving good summaries of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Then he says faith and then he says love. And of course, love is the greatest of all virtues also known as charity. Love or charity is loving God first and then loving our brothers and sisters. And then he says, patience. How important it is, my friends, to be patient. I think we all struggle with patience. Isn't that true? Have you ever struggled with patience in your life or that's never happened yet? Sure, sure, every day we struggle with patience in one way or another. And we have to beg for the grace to be patient. But the interesting thing is that if we beg for the grace to be patient, then God will give us the opportunity to to put it into practice. You know, we got we got to be patient in three areas. We got to be patient with God. A lot of us have a, a microwave spirituality. We pray to God, we want it right away. It's not the way God works. We got to be patient with others. Sometimes we want to form others into our own mold. They have to be this way. Be patient with others. And also we got to be patient with ourselves. And my father, the Nunchepi, we fall because we're all weak. we got to be patient with ourselves. And when we do fall in one way or another, not never to give in to discouragement. Many of the saints will say discouragement is one of the worst enemies in the spiritual life. Not to become discouraged. The other day, 
we celebrated the Korean martyrs. And Father J.R. was uh, giving a homily on on St. Andrew Kim. And he, w- he had to travel from Korea to Macau, China to study in the seminary. And he had to travel a long way in the cold and the snow. He was hungry, he was cold, and he collapsed. And he heard a voice, it was the voice of God that said, get up and keep moving on. Get up and keep moving on. And that's good advice for us. When we fall down, not to stay down, but to get up, brush ourselves off, and let's keep moving on. So we want to pray for the gift of perseverance. Even though we are weak, even though we do fall, even though we have limitations, we should get up and move on, not to stay, not to stay down. Can you imagine a football player that's tackled and he stays down on the field the rest of the game? I can't imagine that. So a football player that's tackled gets up right away and goes back for the rest of the game. We're all called to be spiritual athletes for Christ. So, those are some ideas that we have from the first reading. Essentially, to try to be good teachers, to become first good disciples of Jesus Christ so we can become good teachers of others. And thanks to Carmen and Sophie for giving us a really good summary of the Catechism of the Catholic Church as an excellent tool. The dogmatic part on the creed, the sacraments, the moral part on the Ten Commandments, and that spiritual masterpiece on prayer. That's the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The Catechism of the Catholic Church. What a masterpiece. Then, my friends, let's move into the responsorial psalm. Taken from Psalm 49. Blessed are the poor in spirit, The kingdom of God is theirs. As I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be giving a course on the Sermon on the Mount next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And the Sermon on the Mount actually begins, it's chapter 5, verse 1 to 12. It starts by giving us the Beatitudes. We'll be going through some of those Beatitudes on Tuesday. There are eight. And Pope St. John Paul II says that the Beatitudes are a window into the sacred heart of Jesus. So if we want to contemplate the sentiments in the most sacred heart of Jesus, then we, we go into the what are called the Beatitudes. The sentiments, the virtues of the heart of Christ. So actually... The antiphon for the first reading today is exactly that. Blessed the poor in spirit. The kingdom of God is theirs. Blessed the poor in spirit. The kingdom of God is theirs. So my friends, one comment on that. 
most of us most of us are, are living in the United States. Some of you are living abroad, but most of us live in the United States, even though we are going through tough times. Still, this is the richest country in the world. And given that this is the richest country in the world, there is a perennial problem to... The perennial problem is to fall into materialism. And when I say materialism, I mean we become overly attached. We become overly attached to material things. And Jesus says this very clearly. He says, you cannot serve God and money at the same time. Even Paul says, for the love of money is the root of all evils. That's what we have in the first reading today. The love of money is the root of all evils because our money becomes our God. That's a perennial temptation and danger in the American society. Do you remember the parable in Luke chapter 16? Do you remember the parable in Luke chapter 16? And it's the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. Now the rich man, he dressed in purple, he feasted splendidly every day. And Lazarus was outside his gate, dressed in rags, with, with his, uh, he had basically wounds and cuts on his legs. And the dogs would come to lick him. And they both died. And the rich man was in the fire. It wasn't so much for what the rich man did, but what the rich man failed to do. That's right. Not so much for the rich man what he did do, but what he failed to do. It's called the sin of omission. That happened because the rich man it happened because the rich man was so enthralled, absorbed, mesmerized by his material things, by his love for comfort, that he was blinded. He was blinded from seeing Jesus Christ present in the person of Lazarus. That's right. He was blinded from seeing Jesus Christ present in Lazarus. Because what Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 25, there's a parallel between Luke 16 and Matthew chapter 25. Jesus says, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was a foreigner and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you came to visit me. When, Lord? Whenever we do it to the least of our brothers and sisters, then we do it to Christ. So that's the perennial danger in our country of allowing 
my mother would say, our possessions can possess us. We can allow our possessions, our material things, to take possession of our lives. And that's why St. Paul will go on to say, a lot of wisdom in St. Paul, there's more joy in giving than in receiving. So let's uh, let's let's see today if we could maybe let's see if we can give to others. And you can give in many ways. Okay, remember the three T's, the three different T's. You can give your time, your treasures, and your talents. Maybe God wants you to give more time to your son or daughter, or maybe an elderly person. You can sit by an elderly person and just listen to that elderly person and smile at her and give her encouragement. So let's see if if we can learn to give. In Mother Teresa, you've heard me say this before, she says, give until it hurts. Give until it hurts. Eric Fromm says, if you are what you have and you lose what you have, then who are you? I like that. Eric Fromm, if you are what you have and you lose what you have, then who are you? We don't want to be basing our lives simply upon transitory, ephemeral things that are like the dew on the grass in the morning, the sun dissipates the dew on the ground. Okay, my friends, then we move into the the gospel for today. is this. We see Jesus very, very busy in his public ministry, which will last about three years. And he's followed by his uh, apostles that he's chosen. And uh, G.K. Chesterton made this comment of the life of Christ. He said, Jesus was like a lightning bolt He was just going from one place to the next. Jesus would never neglect his prayer life. We see him getting up early. Getting up very early. Before the crack of dawn. And Jesus is absorbed in prayer. But after he finishes a deep and lengthy union with his heavenly father. Deep prayer then Jesus is on the move with his apostles. And we only have three verses today, the very beginning of Luke chapter 8, 1 to 3. We see it says that Jesus is journeying. And he's going from one town to the next. Preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus is on the move. He's preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Now a very important point I'd like to highlight on this gospel is this. 
is that Jesus is he's not he's not doing it all by himself. But rather Jesus has formed he's formed a group of friends that will follow him. And these uh, friends, they're called the apostles. Those will be sent. But another important point is that you have a group of women that are following Christ that are mentioned today. We have some of their names. We have Mary Magdalene, from whom Jesus cast out seven devils. And some of you have probably watched the the episodes of Jonathan Rumi in Chosen. So you've got Mary Magdalene from whom Jesus cast out seven devils. Then you have the Joanna, who is the wife of Herod Stewart. Then you have another woman whose name is Susanna. And many others. Now I think the point that's very worthy of comment is that we we don't see Jesus. We never we never see Jesus in the Gospels, we never see Jesus carrying any money. In fact, when once they're asked to pay pay to the government, Jesus tells Peter to throw in a line and pull out a stator or coin out of the mouth of a fish. But rather, Jesus does. Jesus is not carrying money. We never see him with his wallet, with money in his pocket. We never see that at all. And by by that, Jesus will preach, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else will be given him beside. So these women, like Mary Magdalene and Susanna, and Joanna, the three are mentioned. We have them supporting Jesus. They're giving him certain economic resources. Why? So that Jesus and the twelve apostles would not have to worry about money, food, clothing, lodging, so that Jesus and the disciples would be free and available to preach the Word of God fully and totally. They would be available to heal the sick. They'd be able to anoint them with oil. And also, we mentioned this several times, 
that Jesus and the apostles would be able to cast out the evil spirits. And that's one of the reasons why we as religious priests, we profess three specific vows. And those vows would be that of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Poverty meaning we don't really own anything. You might see me driving a car, but that's a car that's just lent to me. If I'm living in a house, this house doesn't belong to me. I could be transferred to another state or another country overnight if my superior wanted to transfer me to another place. So we have these vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience so that we can love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that we can be fully and totally free to imitate Christ, to preach the word of God to the four corners of the world. We can serve God and love what God loves. And what does God love? God loves. He loves the salvation of immortal souls. So thanks be to God. We see these holy women that are are supporting. Supporting. Jesus so he doesn't have to worry about the material part. So my friends, I invite you to share this with others. Share our message with others. This is a way in which you can be preaching the word of God. And I'd like to give you my I'd like to give you my uh, priestly blessing. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Amen.